0: You complained about coffee, but I was smart enough to make tea before I came in here.
1: Oh, <laughs> I, ha- I have tea as well. Ah, smart.
2: smart. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's a, a caffeine <laughs> double fister here. Gotcha. Gotcha.
1: I made coffee, some uh, I think it's matcha. I think I just grabbed random things from the cover
2: <laughs> and some water today because it's actually getting warmer. But we have to make this fast because he's going to need a bio break here in about half an hour.
1: Welcome to the Mac DevOps YVR Podcast. This podcast is about the Mac DevOps YVR Conference in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. We interview guests and discuss topics around managing Macs using open source software products inspired by DevOps. Our goal is to encourage developers and IT to work together to solve problems for our community. For more information, see our website, mdoyvr.com. This is the Mac DevOps Podcast. Welcome to the uh, Mac DevOps podcast. Today I'm joined by my amazing technical resource and sometimes amazing. No, I can't. Do it. I can't. Do it. I can't do it. <laughs> He's not sometimes amazing. He is always amazing. JD Jack Daniel Strong. Hey Matt, how's it going? <laughs> I tried to make a joke and it's just yeah. No, can't do it. You need need more tea or less tea? I think I uh, yeah maybe uh, maybe I'm cut off. Uh, no more no more matcha tea for me today we are joined on the mac devops podcast by my amazingly lovely friend ed marzak ed thank you for joining us
0: yeah yeah my pleasure thanks for having me and thank you to uh you and jd thanks
1: yeah yeah it's always looking for an excuse to uh, get you on to the podcast and i think we found a great topic for uh today's podcast there was a very uh, lively discussion <laughs> uh in the uh, santa channel and um I wasn't trying to stir uh, stir up the um, <laughs> <laughs> stir up the conversation, but I mean, I was uh, going on one of my really long walks, and uh, one of my uh, go to podcasts for very very long walks is the Accidental Tech Podcast. And it, it struck me at one point in the conversation when, and uh, John, who just quit his job, gave us one of his reasons to quitting his job is that he was complaining about corporate malware on his laptops. And then all of a sudden my ears were really burning because he mentioned Santa and how, you know, it was you know, judging which apps were naughty and nice and so the whole conversation struck me as something that I don't know, it wasn't in the technical side, but on the sort of social and how we use our, our IT tools. And I just knew that we had to talk about it in the Santa channel and and see what, what feedback we could get get because managing Macs is is something that we technically like to talk about, but also how to do it better is always one of our topics. So I know that you jumped into the conversation there, and I was hoping we could continue talking about Santa and how to use our IT tools responsibly and how to avoid uh, great sadness in our users. Hmm. <laughs> what, what, what are your thoughts, Ed? Oof. There's, there's so much to unpack there, quite honestly. And that thread that you're
0: referencing like kind of kept growing, I think, even after you ping me and said like hey let's let's talk further about this but whether it's IT tools or security tools i think you know you can find me saying over the years that we really need empathy for our end users and making sure that we're deploying these tools and you know doing it in a way that's friendly and not scary and not destroying people's workflows and and all those things so that is critically important and you can definitely roll out security tools poorly. And interestingly enough, the person who works at that company that John must have complained about joined that thread later on, which I thought was fantastic and he sort of like mentioned all the ways that they they tried to make sure it was a good deployment and I think he it sounds like he did all the right things. So that's good news. But I think we also have plenty of examples where, you know, people just like, yeah, YOLO, ship it and throw things out the door without really understanding the impact they're going to have either on like someone's workflow, because they're getting these pop-ups in their, you know, user interface that are sort of like interfering with things, or they're rolling things out that are just using a ton of CPU in the background. And, you know, people are like, Hey, why did my compile go from one hour to three hours? What's going on here? Right. So that's it was a super interesting discussion. But I think one thing I've noticed over the years, and just like being involved with the Mac for so long, and now that the Mac has sort of like started seeping into traditional, like more than just like audio video or like forward thinking tech companies, but it's seeping into. Enterprises everywhere. One thing that's interesting about Macs more than any other platform, I think, is that people want to treat it as their personal device. You know, the Mac is like this nice friendly thing. And before you know it, people are like, oh, I downloaded a bunch of games and I have personal photos on there. You're like, no, no, like, no, please don't do any of this, right? Like if your hard drive crashes, like we're not backing up your personal photos, like they're just gone. And like games can, you know, be a channel for, you know, for malware and sort of like just all this unwanted software. So it's interesting to see people's behavior with Macs, particularly in ways that I don't think you see people
1: treating Windows machines or Linux machines. They don't get the same warm feeling when they see a Windows machine. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But I think it is. It's almost expected that like, oh, I'm, I'm
0: getting this Windows machine and it's going to be locked down and, you know, it, it's a it's a piece of corporate sort of like infrastructure where it belongs to the company more than like your Mac, even though it's enrolled in MDM and, you know, it was purchased by
1: your company. People are like, ah, this is mine. I love this thing. You know, I'm going to bring it everywhere with me. Well, you, you talked about, uh, you know, Macs seeping into the enterprise, like oozing, like uh, radioactive slime into the uh, ninja exactly. turtle sewer <laughs> of uh, corporate America. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> your background is in audio, while my background was in, in video and VFX. So why don't, why don't we step back a second and talk about your, your, your background and how you came to perhaps work with Santa as well.
0: Well, like specifically with Santa, I was fortunate enough to be on the original team at Google that wrote and open sourced Santa. So for anyone who's not intimately familiar with Santa, it's an open source project from Google that does binary allow and deny listing. So it uh, used to be a kernel extension. Now it's a modern system extension and it watches every execution that happens on your Mac. So there are people who install Santa just for that reason, just to get the logging from Santa. They're not even looking to ever block anything. And for the record, Santa calls this lockdown mode. I like to say blocking, it sounds so much less threatening (laughs) to people like lockdown sounds, you know. Sort of like, again, like we were talking about with that Windows mentality. Like, you're getting this Windows machine. It's going to be locked down. You can't do anything. Santa has two modes, you're saying, right? Yes. So Santa starts off in monitor mode, and it won't block anything, for the most part. Uh, But it will log every execution. And sometimes watching that log is just really kind of fascinating on its own. But then the other mode is lockdown, or like I said, blocking mode. And anything that Santa doesn't No doesn't recognize or have a rule for, it will block, and it does this by putting up a GUI prompt, sort of like right dead center of your screen in front of all windows, and it says like, "Hey, you know, I don't recognize this thing. I've stopped it from running." And Santa's designed to work with a centralized sync server. If you don't have a sync server, you can just poke your own rules into the database. If you have a centralized sync server, then you need to get rules into that somehow. Google did open source its sync server. That project died off, and they never provided a replacement. But there are open source replacements for a sync server, uh, including Zentral, which uh, is much more than just Santa syncing, but it's a a fascinating project. And uh, uh, Airbnb just released uh, a sync server called Rudolph. And there's a rather older one that I don't know if it's even being maintained is Morose by Victor Vranchan who wound up at Google and is leaving Google. But I don't know if that's maintained at all anymore. So there, there are options, though, for Santa Sync servers that don't come from Google.
1: Wasn't there another one from Trailer Bits? Was it called Sinter? Yeah, Sinter was like a Santa competitor. It was strange that they
0: came out with it, but in some cases it, it does make perfect sense. But I I don't know where that went. I don't know if that's okay. still being maintained if it is it's just i think it's very trial of bits centric but they haven't
1: enough clients to possibly make it worthwhile so the open source project by google for the decision making for allow listing was called upvote and was very cool and i remember a presentation at mac devops about it and seemed like oh this this solves the problem of how do we crowdsource or how do we have a small team managing a large group and how do we find out
0: yeah yeah and i think
1: upvote is a good example
0: of one of those things that like, it's used at Google because it works at Google and then everyone wants to like, just copy paste into their environment. And you may not need something like Upvote. It depends on what works best for your company. So I've started deploying Santa in blocking mode for a number of clients and the company is so Slack centric, we wound up writing a Slack bot. So just because that works better in that environment, we're not doing the upvote thing. What happens is if someone gets blocked, they get a notification in Slack from our security bot that says like, hey, we noticed you ran this thing. Do you, you know, did you mean to run this? Do, you know, if so, let us know and we'll, you know, we'll get it approved for you. Maybe, maybe not. Like we might look at it and go like, you're trying to download Steam. We don't want that on your machine, so we're not going to approve it. But 99% of the time, it's something reasonable, I and mean, we go, yeah, okay, we don't want to get in anyone's way. So, yeah, I think there are different approaches to it, and, you know, not everyone needs upvote, but, uh, you know, the the Ubers, Microsofts, Facebooks, Googles of the world, yeah, when you're hitting 100,000, 150,000 uh, machines, it's tough to to say like, yeah, we're
1: going to have humans approve all of this. So it works, you know, great for them. And perhaps this is meant more in places where users do have more rights. Maybe they are admin users and this is a, a, an extra special guardrail to keep them from installing things with their admin rights, perhaps. I'm just to think of.
0: Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think that's a good point to bring up is that it's an extra guardrail. Just like any security product, there's no one thing that solves everything and it's part of a larger strategy and again you you might want to install santa purely for the logs there's a lot of interesting information that you can get out of the logs Uh, and then if you're shipping those off to something like snowflake or splunk or wherever you can kind of centralize those and comb through them you can find a lot of interesting patterns no doubt
1: yeah i think i was definitely always been fascinated by santa but also intimidated by it and it is nice that it has a monitor mode. I mean, personally, in my deployments, I've always chosen to use Monkey as the one tool that does everything because it's like it's kind of not configuration management, but it ends up being that because it deploys apps that I want and uninstalls apps I don't want, and so it's the kind of the middle ground between you know a true configuration management tool and uh, a true lockdown tool like Santa. And if you have users who aren't admins in certain scenarios, then putting all the apps they need from auto package or some manual intervention then feeds everything. And then that's kind of like a, but you know, that only works, I think in smaller, smaller teams, perhaps. I mean, you got to choose different tools depending on how many people are managing, how many Macs and.
0: Oh yeah. 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 And you, you mentioned our kind of shared background in audio and video environments and installations. Like, uh, I don't think I would even attempt to put something like Santa, on you know like an avid workstation or or you know some of these machines that are meant to be more turnkey video editing devices
1: so yeah again you really have to tailor your solutions to the environment that you're in and it can take time to roll out santa properly if you're going to block things or even if you're going to perhaps do monkey but i mean for something like santa uh, i think uh, the the person who commented said that they you know were working on their deployment for 2 years so they were you know, monitoring yeah. for two years, seeing what people are using, and then crafting, you know, their lockdown, you know, to be as appropriate and as careful as possible.
0: I totally agree, and I, I think that that goes back to why I, I'm brought up that you know people treat their machines, their Macs, as like very personal devices. And you know, the the person in question, John Syracusa, he he's this like really long time Mac user, like all the way back to like classic Mac OS, and has been like largely independent a lot and probably just used his own machine and got very used to like what a Mac, a stock Mac out of the box looks like and acts like. And then I don't really, I don't listen to the podcast. I don't know. I don't really follow John that closely. So I don't know what company he was at or why he took a staff role someplace, but it sounds like that's what he did. And then was given this corporate Mac book which really sort of like defied his expectations. So I, I can imagine, no matter what the admins at that company did to please him, it just wasn't ever going to be a fit. Like that's my suspicion.
1: I know in in, in my audio and video environments that I, I deal with uh, media people that they're definitely they're running all the time to meet deadlines, and you don't want to yep, yep, stop yep. them too much, but. I, I I I tend to justify my job as I'm protecting their tools so that they can keep working, and I find that Monkey helps me because whatever tools that you know we find out that they need, whatever apps we make sure everything's in Monkey, and then they can load it. And then when there's things that are missing, they can tell me. Uh, usually, because they're small enough teams, where we try to keep the, the communication going. Yeah. But I mean, and, and sometimes it stops people that are rushing to meet a deadline, and they'll go and try and download whatever they can to f- find a solution to a, like some weird obscure video codec, for example. Yeah, (laughs) and then I'm like, why are we looking for obscure apps that no one's ever heard of (laughs) that, you know, (laughs) rather than use one of the five or six tools that are already in monkey and already on your machine or but I mean, we always need to remember and I'm part of the the reason I like the hearing from john on his podcast was just, even though it was kind of rough to hear him say, Santa was corporate malware, because that I thought that was a bit extreme. But it's good to hear the opinions of the people working, because IT often get in the way of people working. And we all have to remember that sometimes we are standing in people's way for a reason, and sometimes we're too much. But the the quote in the podcast was, they added an app called Santa that would intercept app launches and tell you if the app was naughty or nice. And then the other Marco's like, that's creepy as hell. And John's like, it was was flagging everything. I'm like, "Mm, that doesn't sound like fun. So I'm getting the impression that this wasn't a fun experience. Yeah, but like I said, I think you know, I I I think in a corporate environment, there's probably very little you could do to to satisfy John. Right. Well, and and and, you know, like going back years, I'm sure the I've always heard um, the advice given to people, uh, you know, oh something's not working, like my audio video app or any app. Oh, just turn off or try to uninstall your security tools, right? Yes, yes, yes. We all know that security tools forever and ever either. You know, have given people problems. You know, either they're blocking or reading or stopping apps from launching, or or just uh, examining apps. Or we all know that there's bad applications out there, or apps that aren't no ready. For the latest, uh, you know, um, I'm sure we've heard of security tools that are not ready for the latest Mac OS version. So that that no those doubt. are those are issues.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, like John might have had a, like a really valid point. I, I obviously I don't work there. I don't know this the type of company but again like audio video effects companies you're you're probably in know a, a little bit more of a loose environment so so to speak whereas you know finance or some other or, orgs are under much more scrutiny and have to deal with many more regulations to do things right and SOC2 compliance and all those things so you know those tools are rather necessary
1: yeah, I mean, talk about we talk about compliance or uh, you know all these uh, uh, checklists that uh, need to be verified for for data and privacy. Uh, we made sure that data is being handled with care. But you're you're here as a as a witness, uh, as an IT person that has implemented Santa, and you're saying it, it can be done reasonably well.
0: Well, again, you have to tread really lightly, like along the lines of the story that that admin in Slack told. Like that's what we did at Google before we started deploying Santa in blocking mode. Like we went on road shows. Like we had a presentation ready with data to back us up, and we just went to different offices and invited people. And we had the data that basically showed developers and engineers, like, "Hey, listen, you think you're too smart for this? But guess what? We have the data that shows you download malware at the same rate anyone else does. Right? Like you install dumb stuff like." all the time. Um, so yeah having data to back that up is really good. And again, the, the admin in that in that thread kind of pointed out like I think it sounds like they did the right thing in terms of like, hey, we monitored what would get blocked, we pre-approved things. It's a it's a tough dance and it's incredibly difficult with developers. Because you know your compiler tools generally like you compile something, and it sprays stuff just all over the disk. It runs stuff out of temp. Tests run from oddball locations. So like that's it's a really tough problem. But I'd rather have Santa on their machine, even in monitor mode, to get the logs than not at all. And I would go a step above that and say, like I would rather have developers in blocking mode with Santa and a ton of exceptions than like not at all.
1: You know, like developers,
0: you're always going to have to carve out a bunch of exceptions for
1: yeah i mean we can find lots of examples i mean with monkey i thought the world was an amazing place that we could install apps automatically or uninstall apps and then when we found monkey report we could monitor all the apps in the inventory find out everything about our fleet and find out if we had apps that were not up to the right version and therefore insecure perhaps you know and it gives you great insights, and lately I've been playing with Fleet and OS Query a lot, so you can get different yeah. insights uh, across like different OSs about you know what's going on with apps and inventory and and um, perhaps do some malware uh, hunting. Yeah,
0: it is it is incredibly incredibly important to monitor and and watch what's going on, and you know we we talked about you know sort of empathy for our end users like that's a great example like if you detect trends across your fleet like. Oh we roll out our machines in this manner
2: but every
0: you know 90% of people in, you know immediately turn on dark mode like oh well maybe we should just roll these things out in dark mode like you can make people's lives easier by monitoring these trends and i think that's sort of a facet of being a good IT department recognizing these trends and like you're talking about with monkey report and understanding like like how how quickly could most people in IT answer that like what are the top five applications that run across our fleet, right? And like, does that influence the decisions you make when
1: you're deploying a new machine? Like it should, I think, you know? Yeah, it's, it's so revealing to be able to see what's, you know, what versions of Chrome are we running? Not, not just for security, but why are people, you know, sticking to certain versions? Or if it was Final Cut or Premiere, or if you see what tools, you know, certain departments are using at what versions, you know, if, if they need to stay at certain versions or, if you find that there's a vulnerability in Zoom or some other app, for example, yeah. then you can you can easily find that, oh, there's one one copy that was, you know, installed somewhere and then we can update it and protect the machines or insights. But <laughs> do we have time to, to watch all these dashboards and logs? But hence I guess why it'd be well, nice. Well
0: kind of no, you don't. And that's why like the example I gave is probably a report, right? That you want to give or you run and get the answer every now and then, and you kind of evaluate what's going on on your fleet. But the other things, no, particularly with security, you don't have time to look at dashboards. So you need automated
1: alerts that let you know <laughs> what's happening, right? Yeah, I liked how you said you were having Santa alerts going to Slack. Um, that, if that's uh, you know where your team is at,
0: yeah, that's where the whole company is at. And like, I don't. Love it, but that's the culture of companies. A lot of companies now, you know, like smaller companies, like everything's Slack, just everything. And it's like, you might not like it,
1: but you get used to it. <laughs> like, that's it. Like, I can't change the culture. That's the way it is. When I discovered that you could just use a webhook and send, uh, you know, the outputs of stuff to a Slack channel, then I got a little crazy and did that for a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, it, it's
0: great that, you know, I, I I've definitely complained about Slack in the past for taking over sort of like more public channels of communication. But for businesses, it's it's great. It's written with, I mean, that's what it was written for initially,
1: right? And it's written with all the sort of like right things in minds and APIs and hooks and yeah, it's great for that. Nobody wants email or maybe kids today don't understand what email is, but I don't want any more. I just, my thing with Slack is that it's just like it,
0: um, you know, you get this message and you're getting so many messages. And then it's just like they scroll off screen, and they're they're gone more or less. Yes, you can search, but like just that knowledge is kind of gone. Or if someone asks you to do something and it scrolls away, like, yeah, I kind of forget about it. Like you have to be really disciplined about like, yes, I'm going to make a ticket out of this right now. Or I'm like writing this down in some more formal manner. It's like business Twitter. Kind of, yeah. It's like yet another inbox, right? We have our email right. and, you know, you have all these lists that are basically inboxes and you kind of have to clear them all out. I'm, I'm very aggressive about like muting Slack channels and things that I like are kind of on the periphery, but like I'm supposed to be in, but they're really on the periphery and like, okay, mentions only. Otherwise that channel is just gray for me all the time and I never have to go deal with it because just too many channels.
2: (laughs) Always too many channels. Ed, you, you had mentioned that you know a lot of employees get a Mac and treat it as their own machine, and you know I, I know in the Windows world, a, a home version of a a, of a Windows computer is set up completely different and delivered mm-hmm. from in, in an OS perspective different than a business version. Is there something do you think that that we as IT could do to like dampen down? I guess the the home user aspect of the Mac OS and, and, and maybe lessen that trend? That's a great question.
0: And I, I don't know. I I think the short answer that jumps to the top of my mind is really just education, right? End user education. You just have to talk to people about this stuff and it has to be part of onboarding and, uh, you know, letting people know. And some of it's documentation, right? Like I love the idea of, having some internal documentation that everyone can look at that, that points out, like, how is the Mac that we gave you different from the Mac you might have at home? It's like, here's all the stuff we install. And, you know, of course, you know, in the good sort of DevOps tradition, hopefully we're deploying things through monkey that come out of a GitHub repository or some other repository. And you can even have automated reports that run once a week or, you know, every two weeks or whatever's appropriate for your environment that point out to people. Here's what got updated on your machine. Here's what happened over the last two weeks. You got this thing installed, this thing updated, this thing updated, this thing updated. Obviously, some of them, like Chrome, like they'll probably be very aware of because they had to quit Chrome or something. But all the things in the background, like you can have a record of this. But I think the 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 longer answer is around education. And like people get onboarded and you tell them, like, we are or we are not backing up your machine. So we expect you to put things in Google Drive or Office you know, 365 or whatever the case is. Like you work in the cloud, we're not backing up your machine. So if it gets lost, don't expect that we can recover anything. Or maybe you are backing things up and you say, well, things in this folder are backed up, so make sure you're storing them there or whatever. But yeah, I think you'd really have to just talk to people about it. I, I don't know if I'm still in the mindset, but I know like when I was at Google, actually a sort of like the opposite of what you're talking about part of our um, vision was that we wanted to make the machine as close to a stock machine as possible because so many people had Macs at home they knew the layout they understood what a Mac is and what it looks like so we didn't want to you know Dell up the toolbar or like you know like crap it up like so many windows machines come with all this extra stuff you're like what the hell is this it looks like you mentioned it it does very much look different from what you're used to if you have windows at home because you're a gamer or whatever so yeah I, i don't know i don't know if that should be the goal or not but it definitely takes you know education with your end users
1: I think part of it starts right when they open the laptop. Hopefully, they've got uh, DEP device enrollment or Apple Business Manager, as it's called now. I guess um, I saw uh, someone I follow on Twitter post about how his uh, his his uh, partner was uh, shocked to open their laptop, and all of a sudden something appeared on the screen, and they're yeah. like, is, "Is it malware? What is this?" You know. And then I was like, "Oh, it's probably enrolled in DEP, and it's just automatically enrolling itself and." It's it's declaring with the first window that this machine is owned by business X Y and Z and is enrolling in this you know MDM system, and so I'm definitely I'm I'm on the on the camp with education and documentation and setting expectations like hey this is your business laptop we expect yeah. X Y and Z of you and we're going to enforce you know A B and C with a few apps and if you see this app on your screen maybe it's monkey if you see this app on your screen maybe it's some other tool that we use. I, I, I don't think shocking people helps, right? So this person had no idea right. that this laptop was enrolled or what being enrolled meant. So right from opening it, they were like, what's happening? Did my laptop get intercepted in the postal mail? And <laughs> Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. I mean, that part, that's partially due to, you know, so many people working remotely now, I think the place that I'm at is almost there. So we still have inventory text setting up machines, but we are very, very, very close. So it's really the inventory techs that open the machine first and, and enroll it and set it up for the end user and let monkey do its first run and all those things. But we are really almost there where we're gonna be shipping it. And that raises a really good point that
1: I should bring up internally that we should include some documentation with that around what's going on. And when I started uh, with a, a new a new client a few months back and they had a very good documentation tool they're using. and. But the thing was is like here's like 50 pages of things we want you to do because everyone's an adult and we're everyone's responsible. So install the security tool, install all these stuff. And so it's just a lot for anyone to handle, right? So and you know, it's much better if some of those tools were installed automatically or you know so that you don't have to go through a list of fifty things you have to do and you know while you're starting at a new company, even if you are an adult or even if you're an IT or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, agreed. Agreed. IT people like to automate stuff because we want it. To, to be repeatable and, and uh, try to avoid errors because we humans make errors.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a huge piece of it. Yeah, you just
1: want it so you, you're not taking up people's time with like setting up a machine that could be automated. Yeah, we automate what we can, you know. Sometimes automation is fun and sometimes it takes a lot longer to do to set up the automation than just to do it manually. But
2: uh... yeah, but then you're done, kind of done. Yeah, yeah. I I wonder if also ensuring that that folks take the time to brand the tools that they're using so like monkey is an easy example of of being able to customize what that looks like so that it's branded to the company so it it's not a question of what is this tool it, it's very clearly a corporate tool with the corporate logo on it would help ease some of that fear I think
0: it I think it does from a security perspective that's a it's such a funny one cuz like Anyone can get your logo and <laughs> put in some malware and pop it up and be like, "Hey, you know that's just another part of education, like training you training end users to like what to click on and what not to click on. and it's it's so tough. Like that's been another sort of march that I've been going through on like getting any apps that have built-in updaters turned off. like Slack. Uh, you know, there are a bunch of them that like, People see this like totally different dialogue, like, hey, you should update this thing. It's like, Ugh, we'll just push the updates. Everything will come through Monkey. That is what we should be telling people, right? Like, here's the trusted source. Everything's coming through Monkey. Everything else is suspect, <laughs> maybe. But yeah, I, I mean, I do think the corporate logos probably a good idea.
1: Except for they can add friction for updating those tools. If you're, you know, say for monkey or say you're using yeah. monkey rebrand or something, then you got to make sure that works and works every time and works, adds a new thing to QA. <laughs> but Yeah, I mean, QA is another thing that can very
0: often be automated. And that's the ideal that you have tests for all this stuff. And, and you treat even even deploying the laptop, you should treat it like a unit test where it gets provisioned. And before it goes out, you run some set of tests that says like, yes, this thing got installed and this daemon is there. And like, you need some script that should come along and like verify and, you know, hey, it got encrypted, right? Like we don't want unencrypted machines with corporate data walking around, like all those things. Ideally, you just block people from getting to the desktop. If you're doing the zero touch model where you're just drop shipping things, Machines should set itself up, run some set of tests. And if the tests don't pass, you tell them, like, sorry, try again. Like, we just, we can't let this machine start going into operation without being in the right state. Right? Because, like, it was not in the right state at that point. <laughs>
1: it's, just, it's just only going to veer more off course over time. When I was in visual effects a long time ago, we had a bunch of different apps that, you know, would sort of go on top of whether it was Windows, Linux, or macOS, and it would just be the the shim and it would just be the pipeline tool that would say, "Oh, you want to open up a project? Sure, we'll open that app for you and nuke, shake, <laughs> whatever, and we'll we'll interface with you. You know, you're not interacting with the OS per se. Yeah. You're just dealing dealing with projects or whatever. You know, so we abstract away the fun stuff, but that may make it less fun. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Now, lots to think about, Ed. I really appreciate you spending the time with us. You have many years of experience uh, with IT and uh, with open source and with the Mac Ops team at Google and uh, Duo Security, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And like Duo was sort of my first like proper security ish role. Like I've always been security adjacent at the very least and security aware. And it is kind of funny because like really back in the day, IT was just responsible for security. Like there was no separate security team, but sort of just like, most other functions like now we've gotten more specialized functions for a lot of these things you know sysadmins used to do kind of everything and then you got like the database admin to like specifically do database work and then networking team you used to do it all and now even security is sort of a broken out function that gets to like focus really deeply on this but having an IT background i think is just but in infosec particularly right like having an IT background is is just magic because like you you understand what's going on and it helps you talk to the IT team in a way that's
1: relatable and understandable and like they understand you you understand them it's like you're all on the same team it's great <laughs> it, uh, it's it's helpful to uh, have empathy for our users it's helpful to have empathy for the different teams in your org whether it's IT or security we may throw lightning dagger bolts at the other teams but we all are working together right. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's so important to remember. Like, hey, we're all on the same team here. We're
0: all headed towards the same goal. That's that's the idea at least anyway. And yeah, I mean, it's interesting to have that function separated because then, you know, IT should feel empowered to push back on security sometimes, right? Like IT really should be the stewards of the end-user experience. And and you know, possibly support help desk whatever that role as well because they're front line Uh, And they should be calling out things and raising issues of like, you know, so many people come to us with this issue because they don't understand. It's not clear. Like go, you know, go fix this, go clear this up. And same sort of thing. Like, you know, if it were up to security, security would install all the agents and all the things and just like completely destroy a laptop. And it needs to be able to push back a little and say, like, I I don't, you know, you, you have to find some other way to do this. Like here, here are the effects. Right. again, data driven decisions like you should be able to an IT team should be able to kind of show like you know between all the agents you know you use up like four of the six cores for you know 80% of the time on a machine and we're getting complaints that you know processes are slow or scrolling is jumpy or compiles take extra long whatever the case is when possibly being asked like hey can you go deploy yet another thing like really <laughs> so but yeah, yeah. Same team, same goals, work together.
1: Yeah, I feel like my role as an independent IT consultant is like to be the embedded IT slash translator to translate between IT and security and the departments and workers that are trying to do stuff and need to yeah, communicate. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Before we go I just want to thank you Ed for everything you do in the community uh, running the Mac admin monthly uh, you used to do it in person now you're doing it on YouTube and uh, it's a, a lovely lovely gathering that you try to do every month
0: yeah thank you thank you yeah that's going over 10 years now and yeah just I, I think kind of like you it, it's it's enjoyable but it's also it's like some secret excuse to just see people now <laughs> you know it's it's great to get people together and kind of catch up and this next month we're having on a few people, Ben, Adam, and Steve from LA, and they just wrote one of the Peach Pit Mac OS books. And like I knew all of them from like way back in the Macworld days. And you know, I think we used to see each other at conferences, but I haven't seen them in years. And it's just kind of this funny get together. And I'm I'm absolutely thrilled that I'm gonna be speaking with them and catching up. And if we can make that a public conversation, great. Right? And other people can kind of get in on it and maybe be introduced to them or, or whatever. Like so it is fun doing that every month.
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed being on there and talking about community and and like you, I, I enjoy seeing people on there like Henry from the Central Project and just being able to see familiar faces and seeing people from around the world. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you know, I think we're all really
0: have this this, this pent-up desire to see people, like, physically, right? Like, let's get together in the real world, and, like, I can't wait till conferences come back in person. Please, governments and politicians, get your act together. Get <laughs> Let's get rid of this, you know, pandemic once and for all, or, or at least make it genuinely manageable. Like, But I'm looking forward to Mac DevOps, you know, being a, a thing that we all, like, physically attend and go to.
1: I, l- I look forward to that. Uh, this year, we're gonna do it online again. Yep. Though, uh, if people come to town, which I think some people are gonna be visiting Vancouver, the city as uh, you know, there will we'll be a uh, playing tour guide, but- uh, Just just coincidentally, they'll happen to be there. That If there's yeah. a bar that's open nearby, then we may have some conversations. But uh, online is a good way to reach people all around the world and allow yeah. speakers to stay home with their families and enjoy time with their kids and, uh, reach out to the community. So I really appreciate all the speakers and we'll be announcing the talks uh, very shortly. We have so many good talks. Um,
0: excellent. Really looking forward to it. How do we find
1: you on the internet?
0: Easiest way is my, my website, radiotope.com r a d i o t o p e E.com. Uh, that should lead you everywhere, but I'm also at Marzak M A R C Z A K on Twitter.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Ed. Uh, thank you very much.
2: Yeah, thank you. The Mac DevOps YVR Conference and Podcast is looking for sponsors. Support and encourage developers in IT to work together to solve problems for our community by sponsoring Mac DevOps. If you're interested in sponsoring the Mac DevOps YBR Conference and Podcast, send an email to hello at MDOYVR.com. Thank you to our awesome Mac DevOps sponsors. For the twenty twenty two Mac
1: DevOps Conference, we would like to thank Kanji, our platinum sponsor. Thank you, Kanji. Visit them at kanji.io. Our gold sponsor is SimpleMDM. Thank you, SimpleMDM. Visit them at SimpleMDM.com. And thank you to our live stream sponsor, Mac Stadium. Visit them at maxstadium.com. Also, thank you our graphics recording sponsor, FleetDM. Visit them at FleetDM.com. Please take a moment to visit our sponsors. We could not hold Mac DevOps YVR without the support
2: of our sponsors. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today for the Mac DevOps podcast. Thank you to our guests and thank you to our co-hosts. Today's episode was edited by JD Strong. Please like and share this podcast on your favorite podcast service.
1: In the, in the underground, if you can find them, then you can hire the MDO team. Dun, 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 dun. dun.